Welcome to the Movies to Watch Before You Die podcast. My name is Gab. And I am Dylan. And we are here to talk about some of our favorite movies and decide whether or not they are a movie to watch before you die. Um, As a former actress, I feel that I have a very good grasp on character development, script analysis, plot devices, all the things that make a movie great. And as a former video editor and somebody who just loves movies like you and went to school for this stuff, I just love talking about this stuff and I hope you enjoy listening to it. You know, we do that every week and I feel like maybe we're starting to to get it tight, you know? We were until we stopped to acknowledge it, Gab. Well, I'm just I'm I'm breaking the the fourth wall, you know, like I I'm just proud of how far we've come. But anyway, can you break today, the fourth wall in an audio only medium? Sure. Yeah, I guess so. I think I'm just yeah. being a jackass now. Yeah, I mean, I get where you were going with that and like the joke you were trying to make, but like it kind of didn't land. You swatted uh, it down real quick. Yeah, I'm not giving you that one. Um, yeah, so we are here today to talk about a movie that I chose. This is a ooh early 2000s comedy 2008 2008 okay so so early ish late i guess that would be late (laughs) well i'm thinking like in terms of the decade it's early obviously early in terms of the century (laughs) sure 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 anyway uh a comedy comedy gold something that i think uh it definitely would not be gotten away with now and that is the one and only tropic thunder um, this is a hilarious movie. I remember loving it during college. Uh, I chose it to kind of showcase a genre of comedy that was very popular around that time that I kind of, quite frankly, don't think really exists anymore. Um, so anyway, Dylan, why don't you tell the people what this movie was about? What's this all been about? What am I working toward? You think you know everything about me, don't you? I die, but you're bothered. I bloody well ought to. What the movie's about is an ensemble cast of, I guess you could call them actors, but eccentric personalities who are gathered together to make a Vietnam War film. When the Vietnam War film is going terribly, um, they are then taken to the jungle for guerrilla-style filmmaking, and once uh, things go awry, they don't realize that they're no longer going according to any movie or any script. Okay. That's the very spoiler-free version. Yeah, that was that was delightful. How about you pull up the IMDb plot summary? Through a series of freak occurrences, this is the IMDb plot summary. Through a series of freak occurrences, <laughs> a group what that I had to go back and say that. Well, it's like or was it the method in which I said IMDb plot summary? It was all of the above. Was it obvious? Was it obvious already? I guess it you was obvious. That. I introduced it, but you know, by all means. All right. The IMDb plot summary. <laughs> Through a series of freak occurrences, a group of actors shooting a big budget war movie are forced to become the soldiers they are portraying. That's probably, that's, that's a little bit better than mine. Yeah. Tagline. The movie they think they're making isn't a movie anymore. Oh, see plot uh, taglines got better as, as the years went on. I think. I don't think so. I think it's just a hit and miss thing. I feel like someday we have to have an episode just of like great and terrible taglines. Um, can I interrupt us talking about Tropic Thunder to, to go back to Die Hard quickly? Who's going to stop you? Absolutely nobody. This is half my podcast, bitch. Um, so Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and technically, um, I guess the listener would stop you. They would just hit like the pause button. Or the or the back button. Um, but anyway, uh, so we obviously got into a little bit of uh, talking about whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And I just want to shout out somebody who I know for sure will never hear this. Uh, never in a million years will they ever listen to this. But uh, a friend of mine named Cody, somebody that I work with, good guy. Cody made a comment to me. We were, ta- we were talking at work about whether or not it's a Christmas movie. And uh, my argument, of course, is that it wouldn't have happened if it weren't Christmas, right? He, uh, What's-his-face wouldn't be in New York. Yeah, I actually think you swayed me further into believing that it's a Christmas movie. Thank you. Well, I'm going to tell you, Cody may have changed my mind. He asked me, when was the movie released? Summer. God damn it, it was July. It was July. So perhaps not a Christmas movie. But there have been plenty of Christmas movies that have been released outside of the month of December. Really? Yes. Like, I don't have a list in front of me to back that up. Mm. But 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 if you give me a solid week to get back to it and remind me consistently throughout the week to look that up, <laughs> I will come back to you with more. Okay. All right. So anyway, let's get back to Tropic Thunder. But shout out Cody, who will never hear this. And uh, shout out Christmas. Shout out Christmas. Shout out Hanukkah. Christmas shout doesn't out. need a shout out. But yes, shout out Christmas. Shout out Hanukkah. Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. All the good sure. ones. 
Yeah, and uh, shout out. I don't know. Are there other December holidays? Uh, This is why people just say happy holidays. It's just much easier. Yeah. Shout out Flag Day. Flag Day? Just while we're shouting out Arbor Day? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out Arbor Day. Okay. So, uh, so Tropic Thunder, what what do we do next? Well, Gab, I believe what you mean is it's time for our segment, Opinion Time. Opinion Time. (laughs) In this critic's opinion. You know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Well, I have a right to my opinion, and my opinion is you have no right to your opinion. I watched this movie Saturday night. Uh, it was the perfect setting for a comedy. I was I was with someone else. Uh, I was not too sleepy. Uh, I had no distractions, and we turned it on. I know I like this movie because the last time I watched it, which was probably around 2011 um, at the latest, I loved it. And the movie comes on, and it's it's funny. It's quirky. The storyline is great. The cast is phenomenal. All things that we're going to get into. Um, And I have to say, I was left a little underwhelmed. Interesting. How do you mean? Like, it wasn't as funny? Or how do you mean? I think I had just seen it at a time in my life where I found it to be the funniest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And watching it back with very high expectations, it just failed to meet the level of hilarity that I was expecting. Now, I do think that it it was a remarkable commentary on the time period from which it came and the type of comedy that was being produced at that time and the things that were gotten away with that would absolutely not fly today. Um, but in terms of like laugh out loud moments, it was definitely funny. I am in no way suggesting that it was not good, but it just wasn't as funny as I remember. And so I wonder if that's because I am more mature now or if I, it was because it was just had lived up to a lot in my mind. I think there's partially that because I do think what I did notice is everything that I remembered being funny, which I think this might be the first time it's a movie that we had both already seen. Mm-hmm. Um but I think that everything I remembered being funny was still really funny. I will say there's so much, you know, it's one of those movies that throws so many jokes at you in the sense that it sort of plays it like baseball. If we just hit three out of every 10, we're succeeding. You know what I mean? Um, So there's a lot of jokes that are like, you know, okay. Or like, you're just sort of like not doing anything for me, but everything that I still liked was perfect. You know what I mean? Like I was like, Oh my God, that's still hysterical. Now, obviously, like we were saying, there are things that could not be gotten away with. Um, And I do think it's interesting. I was trying to look up afterwards, and maybe it's something I'll talk about more in the facts, but just the people who were in the movie talking about those things. But I do feel like I think something that's important because we are quick to. Quick to be, you know, I'm not trying to be like society so woke, but I'm like, we're, you know, it's easy to be offended by certain things. Obviously, you have. The R word repeated several times and you have um, Robert Downey Jr. in blackface for virtually the entirety of the movie. Mm-hmm. I do think what's important to note, and it's something I think about when, and it's a show I've brought up to you a thousand times, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yep. The characters are awful. They do awful things. But the point is, what is the show saying? Because I think in no way is the movie endorsing what they're doing. I think it's making fun of these people for thinking like, for Tug Speedman thinking that acting that way is accurate and will win him an Oscar. Or for Kirk Lazarus, who is this five-time Academy Award winner, Robert Downey Jr.'s character, believing that, one, that he is a black person now. And two, just even though he has changed his skin and his mannerisms of talking, the fact that he thinks that that's pretty much all it takes, because like at one point he's quoting the Jeffersons to Al Pacino and like, it cracked me up because it's, you know, it's so stupid of the character. Yes. We're laughing at him. Yes. And that's the thing. And, and, you know, I had this conversation uh, in college as well as, you know, now having watched it again. And it's like the, it is not, somebody again understood blackface is obviously never okay right like we've all agreed um but like it is it is an a a character in blackface the character 
Kirk Lazarus is in blackface. It is not. You know what I mean? It's like it's like removed. Yes, the movie is acknowledging that he's in blackface and making fun of him. Right. Right. We are Thank not you. supposed to believe that Robert Downey Jr. is a black character. Right. Right. And it certainly exactly. walks a fine line. And if you were to be offended by it, you'd be well within your right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, right. Neither one of us is black. So, you know, obviously it's a lot easier for us to be like, but the movies, you know, making fun of the actor. But I don't know. I would love to, you know, if anybody wants to tell me their thoughts on this movie, be you black, white, any creed, color, race, nationality, whatever. Um, it it walks a fine line. That's for sure. Yeah. And even Robert Downey Jr., I do have him talking about an interview. Uh, yeah, about I'm that. excited to hear about that. I just think that, you know, comedy is always like like good comedy is intelligent right and it's it's making a point about something and i think this does a really good job of making a point about how dumb things like that are like like you know like actors trying to to take on these roles and be so serious in them and it's like you have no right like you don't have a right to portray this character no matter how good you yeah. are you know and i think yeah. you just spoke to something that i do love about this movie because um, Hollywood has a way of making movies about cinema and about Hollywood, and they end up usually being Oscar bait material. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I've never seen the movie. I know that I think you might have suggested it for the future at one point, but The Artist to me is one of those movies or yes. Birdman where it's like about the talent and the craft and they're like, oh yeah, this is great. You know what I mean? It's that yep. self-ego stroking thing. And I think what I love about this is if you're somebody who pays attention to the movies, and you pay attention to how movies are made and, you know, what actors are like behind the scenes and all that type of, you know, product placement and things like that, then it really is a movie that's made for you and for you to laugh at. Like, Al Pacino is so obviously, you know, there because product placement and he's there because it's like, oh, this is a guy who will get the kids in here. You know what I mean? Like, you can tell yep. that the cast is designed because it hits all demographic sectors. You know what yes. I mean? You've got yep. the comedic actor, you've got the action star, you've got the prestige actor, you have um, the up and the music star, and then you just have the new up and comer. Yeah. Yeah. Which mm -hmm. I do love that, you know, they, they do not get his name right once until the very end of the movie. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, so so let's kind of review what happens just so that we make sure we hit all the marks. So the movie opens um, and they spoilers, are filming. Spoilers, spoilers. Yes, of course, spoilers. Uh, they're filming the open or a scene for this movie that is supposed to depict uh, an actual rescue mission from the Vietnam War. Yeah. And we very quickly realize that it is just a, a movie that they're filming. And uh, hence, we are introduced to the actors of this movie. Yeah, and they're filming. They're not just filming a scene. They're clearly filming the scene. Like you hear them talking. You've got helicopters. You've got squibs going off left and right as people are getting fake shot. You've got very dramatic moments that are clearly supposed to be like the climax of the film they're shooting. And you can tell, you know, they go into it afterwards, but before they even point out like how expensive that shot was, you can tell. Right. You know what I mean? Which right. the movie itself, you know, and again, we'll get to it more in the facts, but this looks like an expensive movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> they put all the money in for like an actual war movie for it. It feels like. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're very quickly introduced to the two stars of the film who are Ben Stiller as uh, Tug Speedman, who is an action star, and Kirk Lazarus, who is Robert Downey Jr. in blackface playing a black man. Um, and he is actually what I love about this, too. And I think Robert Downey Jr. is just so fucking good, is that Kirk Lazarus is Australian. So he is playing Robert Downey Jr. is playing an Australian playing a black man. It's yes unbelievable it's so good and the the nuances are just are amazing he's he's so talented i do also think would be remiss if we didn't bring up the the movie doesn't just start on that scene the movie starts first with uh three oh. fake trailers yes. which are arguably the funniest parts of the movie yeah um yeah. you have a trailer for jack black's character jeff portnoy's newest movie the fatties fart 2 <laughs> which reminded me so much of that Adam Sandler movie where he plays obviously I know it's a take on um like uh, the, the Medea family oh okay oh, I think the it's definitely, professor I guess I could see why you think that but I I definitely think it's supposed to be just because of the time it came out like the Nutty Professor-esque interesting okay I would have thought that in the time it came out it would have been more Tyler Perry geared but either way same honestly same thing um more or less 
Um, but it reminded me of that Adam Sandler movie where he plays the him and his own twin. Oh, uh, twins. I think it's called. No. Oh no, that's uh, no, that's a different movie. Jack and Jill. That's what Jack it's and Jill. Yep. Yeah. 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 I've never seen it. I've only heard negative things. Yeah. I've never seen it, but I remember all the the billboards for it in the subway uh, yeah. when I was in college. But anyway, um, and then there's booty juice. Uh, booty sweat. Booty sweat. Thank you. Yes. Booty juices. Booty sweat and bust enough bar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is definitely um, the shortest of the the trailer commercials. I don't even think it's technically a trailer. That's like a commercial before the trailers. Because yeah. then we have Tug Speedman in Scorcher six or seven. Yeah, yeah. And I One do love them. here we go again, again. Yeah, it's so perfect. And then there's the Kirk Lazarus movie, which is like a like a almost like a Brokeback Mountain, like two priests. Yes, it's clearly again like a prestige Oscar bait movie, like their Forbidden Love. Um, Satan's Alley was the name of it. Yep, there with it five-time is. Academy Award winner Kirk Lazarus and MTV Best Kiss Award winner <laughs> Toby McGuire. Um, yeah, I think the thing I love most about that is the random shot of Robert Downey Jr. just screaming. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's yes. just him going ah, and I just love that. It cracks me up. It is such Oscar bait, though. Um, yeah, so those are the that's the beginning. They're very very funny. We kind of are introduced to the characters in that way, and then comes the opening scene and uh we were very quickly transported from the opening scene to an argument between tug speedman and kirk lazarus regarding who's going to cry in the scene um kirk is obviously a a much more professional actor he's more concerned with the motivation and the scene he's giving tug speedman advice and you just quickly start to see it all unravel yes he's turning the tears on in a flash and he's literally drooling and dribbling while tug is like scrunching his face trying to like bring something forth and it's like this isn't what you do or it's not what you have done yeah um but we do get past that and what ends up happening is the the director is basically told you know you make one bad move and you're going to be canned from the movie um he's told that by studio head les grossman who is one of the best characters if not the best character in the movie oh interesting hot take oh you well we'll talk about that more in a bit i suppose and yeah. when they try and go Gorilla style where it's just going to be the director the actors and like an effects guy and the guy who wrote the book um the director steps on a landmine mm -hmm. and is quickly dispatched of <laughs> yeah yeah and uh of course the actors believe that it is a it's like a like a an effect that it's a scare tactic that they're just trying to get them into character but nope he is truly dead and now they are in the middle of the jungle without any kind of food or ability to get out. And they've got to get out somehow, I suppose. Meanwhile, because of the landmine explosion and them pretending to fire off their rifles, which not pretending, they're firing rifles with blanks in them as you would have on a set. Um, they get noticed by a squadron of people who are working for the Flaming Dragon, which is a, a gang of heroin makers. Like a drug cartel. A drug cartel, I guess. Yeah. And um, basically, I feel like there's hijinks in Sue, and then we get to like, <laughs> you know, they're in the cartel compound. Yeah. Um, I do think the thing that's easiest to skip over probably is Matthew McConaughey's character, the, yeah. the agent, the pecker. Yeah. Yeah, he he is uh, obviously not in Vietnam. Matthew McConaughey is stateside. And there's all this conversation about Tug Speedman wanting a TiVo and the agent swearing up and down he's going to get him the TiVo. And then he never obviously he's in the jungle. He doesn't get the TiVo. And it's, yeah. it's just kind of a plot line that doesn't really go anywhere. Um, well, it feels unimportant. It does end up having some importance. And one of those things that, you know, as a comedy... And I guess it's similar to what we talked about in Die Hard last week, where I had said that, um, you know, there's a bit where you can see the truck in the beginning. It doesn't have the ambulance in it that's supposed to. And it's like, if you figure that out by the end, well, you know, your suspension of disbelief needed to carry you to that point. And I think with this comedy, it's similar in the sense that this movie needs to be funny enough for you to have them get to the end. And, you know, major spoilers, they're escaping from the cartel. An RPG is shot, and who should run out of the jungle in Vietnam, or I think by this part they're in that they say Myanmar or Laos, but a the agent, Rick Peck, with the TiVo, he got the TiVo, <laughs> and he throws it into the way of the RPG. 
And then all of a sudden they take off in the helicopter. And I've always thought about, I was like, wait, they don't like pick him up. What happens? And they just show a shot of him scurrying off. Like I was like, yeah, okay. I guess he had his own ride, which we see during the end credits. But it's one of those things that like, you have to be enjoying the movie and having a fun time laughing. Cause otherwise like it is the most deus ex machina stupid thing out of nowhere that you're like, what, why? Yeah. 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 No, my God, for sure. I noticed that. Um, but yeah, like to your point, it's just so silly at that point that you're like, okay, sure. My suspension of disbelief is through the roof at this point. Yeah. Um, like, there was one other like major plot hole thing that I'm like, I would care about this if I wasn't laughing. And it's the fact that obviously they don't have real guns. They have guns with blanks. Yeah. So when they have the drop on them, like they, they've got all the guys from Flaming Dragon on the ground and Al Pacino's telling them like, stay still. And I'm like, why have you not at some point picked up a real gun? Yeah. 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 And it seemed like the the drug people were afraid of the them with their guns. And well, they thought they were real guns. They don't know. Yeah. But wouldn't they have figured it out at some point? Like they were they were shooting. I don't know. I feel Probably like they not, were shooting. Blanks make the same amount of noise as real bullets, as far as I know. So all yes. that they would know is, you know. I, I guess if like they were standing and they clearly think they would have gotten shot, maybe then they would have realized. Yeah. Um. I will also say I do just love uh, some of the music that they use for this is very obvious Vietnam War music. Uh-huh. Like they use the Rolling Stone Sympathy for the Devil at one point while they're like in the yep. jungle and they use Buffalo Springfield for what it's worth. And I'm like, oh, my God, these are such obvious like counterculture 60s, 70s Vietnam War movie songs. Yeah. And it also goes so far out of its way to recreate the shot from have you seen the movie Platoon? No. My dad loves it, though. The most famous shot from the movie is Willem Dafoe with his arms up in the air as he's getting, you know, shot. And they have Tux Speedman do it, obviously, in the very beginning for the scene where you have a quote that I still like. I, I will say it to this day randomly at times. Survive. Oh, my God. I say that all the time. I will just randomly. Like, I send gifts of that, too. I'll just be like randomly like <laughs> survive. And not only that, I never noticed before. And it's like somewhat cleverly done. Just like the initial war scene at the very end when they're trying to escape from the compound, everyone is on the chopper except Kirk Lazarus and Tug Speedman. Sandusky points out Tug still being alive and Tug still does the platoon pose again. And I was like, oh my God, it totally brings it back like fully in that scene. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that. Yeah. Very funny. Uh, and just obviously so over dramatic. Like his arms are just waving like the wacky inflatable tube guy. I do love in the beginning, yeah, when he tells Kirk, hold my hands, and he's just yeah. holding the blown up bits of where the hands should be, and he goes, yes. you got him, I'm holding tight. <laughs> I also love that we find out, this is very random, but we find out that uh, the guy who wrote the book, who is supposedly the person that was rescued from Vietnam, who is the Tug Speedman character, um, actually has hands, and he lied about the whole thing. None yes, of it he's happened. he's wearing fake hooks, and I think something that works for me every time is every like you get several reactions of people going what you have hands oh my god he grew hands like yeah. <laughs> you get different versions of the reaction i also I love, love uh danny mcbride's character saying to him you know he asks him about his gun and four leaf says i don't know what it's called i just know the sound it makes when people die or something like that uh-huh. and he has a good callback joke where he says um danny mcbride says to him i don't know i just know the sound it makes when it lies <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so stupid but i love it it's so good. It's so good. The Danny McBride character is phenomenal. Um, it's all I, it's all very funny. There's no character in this movie either who is just like awful. You know what I mean? Everybody has funny moments. And maybe, yeah. again, that's the sheer number of jokes that are told in this movie. But every character is at some point like got something really funny. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I write down quotes during all of these and I just have like a list. Yeah. One of the stupidest quotes that cracks me up every time. And it's not the quote necessarily, it's the shot. It's when the truck that they're on gets exploded, which I don't know if that terminology was proper just there or the grammar, but you see them all like, you know, you've got that shell shock, the ringing sound, Mm -hmm. and you just see Jack Black going, my ass, my (laughs) ass. (laughs) It's so stupid, but, and I know it's coming and I still crack up at it every time. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's hilarious. I really like, so I want to get a little further into what I meant when I said that it wasn't as funny as I remembered. I'm talking specifically about one thing and it's, it's Tom Cruise dancing. 
Yeah, the dancing inherently isn't that funny. I do him just as a studio executive in general is hysterical still. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's funny. Like he, his character is funny. He says something. Um, oh man, I wish I could remember, but we were laughing so hard at this. It wasn't, it was, it, he said something like, um, shut, shut the fuck up and let me do my job or something along those lines yeah. to somebody. What was it that he said? I think he literally says that at one point. Um, Maybe, you know, but whatever. He's got a bunch of lines like that. He, I also love the kids aren't dressing to. up as Scorcher for Purim anymore. Oh, yes. Yes. That killed me. That's so funny. Um, oh, my God. So good. Yeah. It, it just hysterical. But the the two times when he dances just really just didn't do it for me the way they did the first time. But everything else was just so great. Um, I want to talk like, a little. It's fine. Yeah, you're right. It, it, it definitely isn't like I feel like that was the. Like that was hysterical when you first saw it. And now it's like, okay, it's just, you know, the end credits bit. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's happening and it's okay, whatever. But like, I also remember him being much fatter. Like it didn't feel like he was, oh my God, tremendously huge, you know, like. I don't think he's supposed to be. I just think he's not supposed to look like him, which he definitely, you know what I do notice now that like I was aware of it. I know that one of Tom Cruise's initial like things when he wanted to be cast as characters, he wanted fake hands. And you could definitely notice like, why does this guy have such giant hands? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't yeah. think it matters at all. Like, I think it's just like, no, the character has giant hands. That was Tom Cruise's feeling. I'm like, okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, whatever. Um, Yeah, they're definitely out of place and very big and obviously prosthetic. Um, yes. But I just remember him being so much fatter. And I remember the dancing being so much funnier. But anyway, um, I want to talk about whether or not this movie would fly in 2022 and uh did you hear me just like very briefly forget what year it was um actually i, I think by the time we put this episode out it'll be 2023 wow reporting live from the past um <laughs> i definitely don't think that it would fly but Corey did and i'm kicking myself for not having this pulled up and and something that i could quickly reference but Corey did say that i want to say it was samuel l jackson gave the okay for Robert Downey Jr. to do this character, whether it was... I did not specifically find that, but that's interesting to hear. Let me let me look it up. Say something interesting while I look this up. Well, since we're talking about uh, the Robert Downey Jr. stuff, what I did find in you know some of the behind the scenes stuff I saw, um, first of all, he was in the makeup chair and he goes, "I just needed a summer gig after Iron Man, which will be a trilogy." Which he was saying just after the first Iron Man came out. So I'm like, "Oh, damn." Uh, Brandon T. Jackson, who plays Al Pacino, Al Pacino, was saying he kept thinking he really was a black man and like greeting <laughs> him and calling him brother. Um, the makeup was designed for Robert Downey Jr. by Rick Baker, which if you don't know who that is, he has won seven Academy Awards for makeup effects for American Werewolf in London, Harry and the Hendersons, Ed Wood, The Nutty Professor, uh, Men in Black, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and The Wolfman. And let me see here. Jamie Foxx um, did say that he feels entertainers need to be given room, and he felt that he was okay with uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s performance. Yep, and so then yep. he caught, cast him in a movie like All-Star Team, and he was like, yeah, and I had Robert Downey Jr. play a Mexican character in that. And I'm like, all right, I don't know if it's like a thing to gloat about, but like it's a thing like it already happened. I think we're cool with it, you know? That's what it was. My bad. It wasn't It wasn't Sam Jackson. It was uh, Jamie Foxx. It was Jamie Foxx. That's, that's what I was referring to. Yeah, since I'm on it already, I'm just going to say one last thing about it. Robert Downey Jr. talked about getting to hold up uh, the insane self-involved hypocrisy of artists and what they think they're allowed to do on occasion. Love that. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's about, right? Like, it's a commentary. And I it's think there's such a- It's making fun of Kerr, yeah. Yes, I think there's such a difference between something that is like malicious or done with malice or done with ignorance. And then there's like very smart commentary on something that we all agree is not cool. Yeah. And I think there's just become such a sensitivity to things where like you can't even make a comment on how dumb things are without being considered offensive, you know? Because it is literally a joke. And Al Pacino says at one point, because I knew that they had one good part in the movie for a black man and they gave it to Crocodile Dundee. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he's screaming like, you are Australian. Be Australian. I do love um, when Kirk is sort of going through his existential crisis of not knowing who he is. And he, he has that thing where he goes, I am not Sergeant Osiris. 
nor am I Neil Armstrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. And I think he just ends with like, I think I might not be anyone. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, oh my God. Like you are at the point where I think it's um Jay Baruchel's character, Sandusky, who's just like, you guys need to get it together. You know what I mean? I'm obviously paraphrasing, but it's just like, oh my God, <laughs> these yes. actors are ridiculous. It's so great. And honestly, like, not that I really had a, a very long professional career by any stretch. Um, You know, the coolest thing I ever did was Gossip Girl. But uh, the 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 accuracy is just it's like people there are really people there are people running around doing community theater like regional theater that behave that way and it's just like oh my god like get it together um i'm a method actor i'm the it's like no 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 jamie you're not a method actor you're shooting a baby bell commercial like enough yeah i don't break character till i've done the dvd commentary <laughs> yes it's All right. so great i think you know i feel like because of doing such a long episode for Die Hard, I'm like, man, this is so quick. We got to get to the facts, right? I know. Well, let's get to the facts. I want the truth! Face the facts, dokes. Facts have no place with an organized religion. All right. So first, let's start off with uh, what do the critics say? IMDb gives this a 7 out of 10. Okay. Ron Tomatoes gives an 82% on the tomato meter, which is an average rating of 7.1 out of 10, 206 fresh, 46 rotten. An audience score, 70%. Average score, 3.6 out of 5. All passing grades. Mm -hmm. um, critics' consensus with biting satire, plenty of subversive humor, and an unforgettable turn by Robert Downey Jr., Tropic Thunder is a triumphant late summer comedy. I think the other thing that people would be very careful to do now is the sheer amount of praise of Robert Downey Jr. also, because he was nominated at the 2009 Academy Awards for Best Supporting Actor, which yeah. I think people would be afraid of now. Why? Um, why? Because like you were talking about, it's it's a very sensitive, it, it walks a fine line to say oh, the least. Oh, so, so not because of Robert Downey Jr., just because no, of the- No, no, the, because okay, of the character, because it's a character in blackface. I was like, um, did we? Did I miss something? No, we, we love our Downey Jr. He's made yeah, a full yeah. comeback. Uh, it was nominated for an MTV Movie Award for the best WTF moment for Ben Stiller tasting the decapitated head. Oh, that's great. Yep, yep, yep. Um, of course, it was directed by Ben Stiller, who also directed Reality Bites, The Cable Guy, which I hope to do someday, and Zoolander, Cable Guy. I love I hope The to Cable do on Guy. This, uh, podcast. I love that movie. We used to watch that movie all the time. Down, Great down, movie. down. Red Knight going down. Great movie. Great. Written by Ben Stiller, Justin Theroux, and Ethan Cohen, who I thought was of the Cohen brothers. He is oh, yeah. not. It's another different Ethan Cohen. Oh, I thought it was Cohen, Cohen no. brother too. So he he had a part in writing the film Idiocracy, which is a good movie, but he is not a Coen brother. Mm. Um, as far as the cast list, I feel like it's too numerous to name here because we don't have enough time. Yeah. So I'm going to skip and, you know, we'll go on to some other things. Box office wise, it had a budget of 92 million, which you can see every dollar on the screen. Uh, and it grossed one hundred ninety five point seven million dollars worldwide. So mm. it was, you know, it was a pretty big hit, but they did spend a lot of money on it. Yeah, yeah. IMDb featured review, 8 out of 10, Ben Stiller's best movie. And that's from 2017. So I, I do think that is uh, somebody with some, you know, time ahead of them to be able to say that. Roger Ebert gave it three and a half stars. Mm. The movie is a send-up of Hollywood actors, acting, agents, directors, writers, rappers, trailers, and egos, much enhanced by several cameos, the best of which I will not even mention. You'll know the one, although you may have to wait for the credits to figure it out. The movie is, may I say, considerably better than Stiller's previous film, Zoolander. When it's all over, you'll probably have the fondest memories of Robert Downey Jr.'s work. It's been a good year for him. This coming after Iron Man, he's back big time. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Ed Travis of Hollywood Jesus, the real lasting appeal of Tropic Thunder won't be the lavish production, but the rich send-up of acting as a profession. Hollywood as a culture and war films as an inspiration to us civilians. one really harsh one Tony Macklin Fayetteville Free Weekly Tropic Thunder is one humongous vanity project for Ben Stiller his initials aren't BS for nothing if you can't get enough of bouncing Ben Tropic Thunder is the movie for you oh yeah that dude okay. does not like Ben Stiller fuck you that's what I say and one more good one Adam Tobias from the Watertown Daily Times in no way am I saying what Downey Jr. did with Lazarus is on the same level as what Heath Ledger accomplished with the Joker in the Dark Knight but they do share the similarity of completely walking away with their respective movies mm-hmm yep yeah and 
let's see here. I think I have just one or two other facts. Ben Stiller said nearly all aspects of the Les Grossman character were developed by Tom Cruise, including the dancing and the look of the makeup. And the hands, apparently. And the hands, yes. <laughs> In the film, Kirk Lazarus says, I don't drop character till I've done the DVD commentary. When recording the audio commentary for the DVD and Blu-ray, Robert Downey Jr. actually spends the entire commentary in character and stops it at the very end. I love that. He's great. While promoting his miniseries Escape at Danamora on the Howard Stern Show, Ben Stiller said Tropic Thunder would not have been made now due to its content and the comedy landscape today. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's because the comedy landscape today kind of sucks. No offense. Um, I don't know the last time I feel like I saw a comedy in theaters, to be honest, either. I mean, they're just, I just feel like, I'm. listen, I'm not the voice of, of you know, comedy or anything, but I just feel like comedians are afraid to make these types of movies now like like the the era i know we're running out of time the era of the 2000s was so good for comedy and now you're just not getting that anymore you're not getting that anymore but you know what you are getting gab you're getting mail so are you ready for some mail oh boy am i ready for some mail mail time when you control the mail you control information mom asked me to ask you if there's any mail for us here by mistake what okay so first we have a comment on our diehard episode from one of our main fans, Scotty Cameron. Scotty. First, he's welcoming to the mail section from last week. From Yeah, it was last week at the time of Die Hard. I'm so sorry, listener, that we're catching up on so much mail. So some of these things, I'm going to have to be like, it's from this episode at this time. But he was commenting on our week before we had Batman Mask of the Phantasm. So welcome to the mail section, Tastic and Batgirl Fangirl. He said, I love Christmas horror movies. Jack Frost and Silent Night, Deadly Night are personal favorites. In fact, my favorite Christmas song is Merry Axmas by Ice Nine Kills, which is based on Silent Night, Deadly Night, and is featured on Ink's album, The Silver Screen, which has a lot of horror movie-inspired songs. Violent Night feels more like a Christmas-themed John Wick movie than it does a die-hard knockoff, but I do see the plot parallels. I also add that Iron Man 3 is a Christmas action movie that was released in May for whatever reason. I love that my suggestion of seeing the Rotten Tomatoes score details is paying off, because now you can mock the bad reviews Die Hard got as being one or two of only five versus the 81 good reviews the film has. I'm still unclear on how a film gets a certified ref score in Rotten Tomato. Did I say certified ref? <laughs> I don't know. I think so. I've watched so many words, Gap. I, I need to edit myself so much more. I'm still <laughs> unclear on how a film gets a certified fresh score in Rotten Tomatoes. I know, Dylan, you had a question about that on Mask of the Phantasm. My initial thought is that the certified fresh rating has something to do with the average score, but then I did some score tests and realized that isn't the case. Amazing Spider-Man has a certified rush, certified, damn it, I did it again. <laughs> wow. Oh, no. Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man is certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes with a 71% approval rating. From critics with an average score of 6.6. Zack Snyder's Justice League also has a 71% approval rating among critics with an average score of 6.7 and is not certified fresh. So higher average score must not be the answer. On Twitter, someone offered the theory that the certified fresh badge is given to films that receive a streak of good reviews when the Rotten Tomato score is being processed. Mm -hmm. This theory was floated in the context of Joker losing its certified fresh rating. I wonder if it also has to do with the total number of ratings, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, like a percentage of the ratings. Okay, now I can get to, we had some comments on Trainwreck. Okay. Uh, Trainwreck, I believe I sent this to you and I responded to this person on our actual YouTube. Um, I feel bad, but I'm going to say their username is my fat face, which feels rude. <laughs> Please do not We're flush sure your face is fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, like I, I felt bad reading it. I was like, okay. Please do not flush tampons. It will clog up the pipes, which uh, Amy said that she did in Trainwreck and you said you do in reality, Gab. I do. I do. And you know what? Still doing it. My fat Sorry. <laughs> you monster. My fat face says, <laughs> I work for a plumbing company and see this all the time. Tampons are designed to expand, whereas toilet paper dissolves and breaks down. Well, I'm After I've I never I've lived in so many different places and I've never had a problem with my plumbing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're just begging for it, though, aren't you? I guess so. After I responded and thanked them for this, my fat face continued. No problem. I have seen people have to pay sometimes five figures to fix major clogs they cause. Only things that should go down a toilet is bodily waste and toilet paper. So even those wet wipes that say flushable, don't flush them. So my question is, what do you do with them? Throw them in the trash. And then 
just have like human shit in your trash can? Not human. Well, what do you mean? Like period blood? No, 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 no. Like no, bodily no. clots? No, no. Like, like if you're using those wipes after you've shit, you throw them in the trash. Right, but then there's shit in the trash. What do you think is in the trash? It's all shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's like then it's gonna stink. What do you mean? Gavin, you should see the trash bags they make now. They're scented. They're lovely. They're wonderful. <laughs> That's what the lid is for, Gav. I'm Put a lid on it. So upset. Okay. Um. Fuck. All right. Well, f- <laughs> I guess I'm just never gonna feel- shit again. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing that my fat face said. It sounds like I'm talking about my own fat face. God damn it. <laughs> Tell me what your fat, stupid fat face said. Dylan. All right, we don't need to add adjectives to this, you asshole. <laughs> My fat face says this. In other comments, I am pro train wreck as a huge Bill Hader lover. I fall in love with him every time I watch it. Same. My fat face, you're my best friend. <laughs> they they put so many comments. They put one more thing about the, oh. the tampons. <laughs> Proper disposal is to wrap in toilet paper and dispose in the garbage. <laughs> the garbage should be filled with all your bodily fluids, okay? <laughs> so basically I need like a like a toxic waste. What are those things that like they put nuclear waste in? Hazmat. Yeah, I need one of those. Oh boy. Just feels like okay. more used needles. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and one more comment by Scotty Cameron on Trainwreck. Great show as always. I think Peter Griffin discussing The Godfather would have been a better comparison for Dylan's attitude towards Trainwreck than Principal Skinner. Both work. You think Peter is a better example because he's discussing a movie. I've never cared that much for Amy Schumer. She's always been hit or miss in my book. Brie Larson, Bill Hader, and John Cena are actors I do enjoy, though. I can't help but say that this episode is like Clerks in Reverse, where Gab is really fond of the movie that Dylan did not enjoy instead of the other way around, like in Clerks. Stay yappy. True. This was very much... The anti-clerks. Go on. So it, it was the anti-clerks, and that's why we disagreed on it. Um, Peter Griffin discussing The Godfather. Is that where he says that it insists upon itself? Is that what that is? Because I couldn't remember. That might be yeah, what it is. Because Corey says that all the time, and it makes me laugh so hard. Like, we'll we'll be talking about someone, and we'll be like, yeah, she insists upon herself. And it's like the best way of describing that very, very unique person or, or movie or situation. Um, so I think that's what he's referring to. I mean, I'm sure he'll let us know in the mail next week. <laughs> yeah, I think he's right. Scotty, do that research for us. And thank you. Yeah. <laughs> this this whole thing is basically just a back and forth conversation with Scotty Cameron. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we also, um, aside from YouTube comments, we had some responses on Spotify. Oh, wow. So we had two responses on Spotify for our Die Hard episode. Scotty Cameron, who <laughs> said, great episode. Loved that the topic of it being a, cr- a Christmas movie came up. And... Uh, Claude, who I actually know from Albany, shout out to you, Claude. Thanks for listening. Who said, "Thank God that we agreed upon it." So it's literally <laughs> just two words. It's just where, where's the camera? There it is. Thank God. <laughs> so that's, that's all so funny. I think he was also afraid that you would not like Die Hard like I was. Yeah. So was I. So finally, and lastly, can we get to some emails, please? <clears throat> You'll love that for your ears, Scotty Cameron, who emailed in about Die Hard. Thank you, Scotty, for making this segment a thing. Yeah. Hey, Don and Gab, great show as always. And most importantly, congratulations. You found a movie that you both mutually agreed was a movie to watch before you die. And one that wasn't recommended to you by the listener, nor a conclusion reached by revisiting the movie. Yeah. Truly, it is worth celebrating and fitting it happened before the end of the year, too. Die Hard is a classic and fun film. It may also be one of the most spoiled movies on the internet because I knew about how Hans Gruber died before seeing the movie and also the glass bit, too. I love how the video game incorporates the broken glass bit in the game with stepping on the broken glass, causing McLean to lose his feet health, which I feel like that you would like because you're so feet into health. the bare feet. He I think foot it's health. hilarious. Foot health. That's fucking amazing. I will say the video game's box art has aged poorly. I imagine it does not look good. Yeah. Funny thing about the most recent A Good Day to Die Hard is that it came out in 2013, a year when Bruce Willis was in every other action movie that came out. At least it felt like it. He played General Joseph Colton, a.k.a. G.I. Joe in G.I. Joe Retaliation, and Frank Moses in Red 2. None of those movies were very good. 2013 did show that the reviewers who said that Willis had a future in action movies were correct. He just ended up starring in a lot of schlock and eventually stopped caring about the movies he was in before sadly contracting aphasia and retiring from acting. 
Still, Die Hard and Unbreakable are some of Bruce's finest films. This is for Alan Rickman. By Grabthar's hammer and the sons of Warvin, you shall be avenged. And then he said what I believe is the French version of Rest in Peace, Requiescat in Pace. Gab, do you know what that says? You're better with these things. I mean, I, I, my, I'm going to venture to say that's Latin. That makes more sense. Yeah, you stupid. F- I slowly just make myself dumber. What else did my fat <laughs> face have to say? Okay. <laughs> Finishing Scotty Cameron's email. Dylan, if your only exposure to Transformers was the Michael Bay films, then I honestly don't blame you for not caring about the franchise. It's the same reaction I have when people say they stopped caring about the MCU after Age of Ultron. Because, yeah, that movie sucked, and I see how it could turn someone off from the MCU. Bay's contributions to Transformers were truly terrible. The first three movies came out when I was 9 to 13 years old, and at those ages, I thought anything with explosions was good. Then, when the fourth film came out, my standards for a good movie rose above just explosions, and I began to realize just how bad the Bay Transformers movies were, and it became disheartening for me to see a franchise that has produced great video games, comic books, and cartoons have such terrible movies. Until the last, Travis Knight's Bumblebee came out in 2018, and we finally got a good Transformers movie. I was relieved and amazed to the point of being a little teary-eyed that it took so long for us to finally get a good Transformers movie. I know I'm probably going to have the same reaction when a good G.I. Joe, Fantastic Four, Ghost Rider, Green Lantern, and Spawn movie happen, and amazement, while also wondering why this was so hard to get right in the first place. My intro to Transformers began with Transformers Cybertron on Kids WB, which aired back-to-back with The Batman on Kids WB, the afternoon shows which the network did during the week into 2006. Apologies for the long Transformers tangent. Sincerely, Scotty. And he sent the Die Hard box cover. That's amazing. It's oh, boy, yeah. And I actually really like it. That's great. I also think I watched the Transformers Beast Wars cartoon as a kid, which that is not good CGI if you've ever seen that show. Can't say that I have. Next, we have an email from Keen Machine on Mask of the Phantasm. Aww. Greetings, Dylan and Gab. So you watched Mask of the Phantasm. Gab, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. That's why I'm here, to get my heart broken, I guess. I'm 0 for 2 for the films I've seen so far, but I'm not giving up hope. Dylan, you did a superb job of defending this legendary film. Thank you for your service. (laughs) I laughed a lot learning about Gab's ex-boyfriend, who she fired on the spot for his outdated vernacular. Hashtag fatality. A hard fatality. Meanwhile, I look forward to definitely learning if Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Keep it keen. You now know Die Hard is a Christmas movie and a movie watch before you die. Yep. So finally, the last thing here is we have an email from a new listener uh, from Pedro Henrique. Hopefully I said that right. Let me know. Wait Hello? a second. Did you just spoil the episode by saying you now know that Die Hard is a Christmas movie and a movie to watch before you die? Isn't this coming out in the, the Die Hard episode? This is coming out in Tropic Thunder, Gav. Die Hard came out weeks ago, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> the space time continuum is crazy and confusing. So can I get back to Pedro's email, Gav? Yeah. Yeah. Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Greetings from a Brazilian yappy dude. Hello, Dylan and Gab. I'm Pedro, and as you can guess, I'm one of the many people from the Jump on the Batwagon community who started listening to this podcast because of Dylan's contributions. As a new listener, I'd like to say great job on this podcast. I love it. I hate most podcasts discussing films because the hosts always get a little pretentious and annoying, and sometimes they hate a lot of my favorite films, and I just don't have the patience to listen to three uninformed dudes for two hours shit on stuff I love. (laughs) Loved your episodes on Mask of the Phantasm and Die Hard. Mask of the Phantasm is my second favorite Batman film, and Die Hard is one of my favorite action films. I always thought it was underrated, it has great dialogue and acting, but it's always been lumped in with a lot of boring or cheesier 80s action films. Anyway, great job with the podcast. I will try to catch up and listen to all the episodes. Also, Dylan, the podcast you did with Jordan Blumen and Keen Machine about Kevin Conroy was a beautiful tribute and a great listen. Looking forward to the next episode, and happy holidays. Pedro, that your email so warmed nice. my heart. Pedro, thank you. It's very much appreciated when we get these, you know, random emails from people who have not sent something in before. Obviously, we still appreciate you, Scotty and Keen. You, you are, you're our main listener squeezes. You're but basically nice... cast members at this point. Yeah, they're basically part of the thing. So it's yeah. nice to have these other listeners that it's like, oh my god, other people listen too. Yeah, fat, fat, fat face. People besides my fat <laughs> face. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate your comments, but damn you, my fat face. <laughs> I uh, I really hope that that username was chosen because the moments like this would exist. You know, I have to think that it was purposeful planning. I have to. Yeah, it's just too good. And if not, you should claim that it was purposeful planning because it's brilliant. I would by this point. Yeah. 
So thank um, you, my fat face. Thank you, Pedro. Thank you, Pete. <laughs> thank you, Scotty. And thank you to all the listeners. You can send us in voicemails at anchor.fm slash movies to watch or send us more mail at movies to watch before you die at gmail.com. Gab, you were going to say something? I was going to also thank your fat face. All right. Should we, should we get back to the episode? <laughs> Let's get back to Tropic Thunder and not die hard because this episode is Tropic Thunder. Damn straight. I say let's get to our verdicts. Okay. Do or do not. There is no try. The guilty will be punished. Sentence is death. Gab, you suggested this movie, and I feel like I'm surprised to hear, like, you are the one who I feel like has cooled on it somewhat. So I want to hear what is your verdict? Well, you know, Dylan, I think I came in with very high expectations that were maybe a little unrealistic, considering I'm no longer 18 years old. Um, but I will say this, the movie is, is as poignant. I actually don't think I'm using that word correctly, The but I'm going to stick with it. It's like touching and moving. I, I don't yeah. know about that, but no, 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 but it's, it's, it's spot on in terms of, of what it's trying to comment on. Um, that is truly what the industry is like. Um, it is funny. It is, it has something for everyone. I know it's a lot like baseball where there's a lot of jokes and, you know, only a few of them land. But I think it's a really good time. I think it's very funny. I think it's smart. And um, I think there's something for everyone. So I'm going to go ahead and say that this is a movie to watch before you die. I'm going to agree with you that this is a movie to watch before you die. It just has several laugh out loud moments. And that is the most important thing a comedy needs to do. You know what I mean? Are there things that you can pick apart in the storyline? Sure. But are you going to laugh while watching this comedy? Yes. And that's what matters most. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that it's a little edgy and it it crosses a few boundaries, especially for today, but there's no malice in it. You know, there there's no ill intent at all. And I just think that it's 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 going to last, even though those subjects wouldn't be touched on today, because you can feel inherently that there's nothing there's nothing, uh, you know, malicious beneath the surface. Yes, it's clearly not picking on any groups of people. It's picking on Hollywood as a yeah. you know entity. Yeah. Um, so I think we should talk about what we have next. And next okay. week we are going to be doing the movie Comet, uh, starring Justin Long and Emmy Rossum. And that is all I know about it because neither you or I have suggested this. Instead, we have a guest, Maddie from the Watchtower database, who will be joining us next week. Very exciting. Um, yeah, I've never heard of this movie. Um, I don't know anything about it, but I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, me either. So Come back next week to hear us talk about it. Until then, if you want to look up past episodes of Movies to Watch Before You Die, or if you want to send us a comment or anything like that, you can go to Movies to Watch Before You Die at gmail.com and send us an email, or you can send a voice message at anchor.fm slash movies to watch. Woo, good job. I put you on the spot hard you with that. You really one. put me on the spot. I felt like that was a pop <laughs> quiz. Yeah, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, Spotify, Anchor. YouTube. Well, you've obviously already found us if you're listening to this, so. But you can find us other places, I'm telling them. Yeah. And apparently you can also... now, I think I did something so that you can ask, you know, your Amazon home device. I don't want to say her name and set people's things off, but you can ask it to play Movie Watch Where You Die, and I think it should work. That is dope. We have no idea if it's true or not, but maybe. I'll have to test that. Yeah. All right. So All right. thank you guys for listening, and hopefully you thought this was a movie to watch before you die also. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Bye, everybody. Sergeant Lincoln, Luther, Lord of my father O'Malley. Lord, may your arm strong. I, I think I might be nobody.